So this morning, um, scripture we're looking at is one that we've we just listened to a little bit ago. Psalm 23. Uh, we're going to read it again in a little bit. You'll find the words on the screen behind me, or if you've got it with you, uh, you can follow along that way. It'll be on the screen at home. Um, but before we before we listen to those words again, uh, let's pray together. Lord, we take just a moment to once again silence our hearts, our souls, our minds, just to quiet ourselves. And we ask that you would help us to let go of of all that might impede this, let go of all of that which might make us hard for us to hear a word from you. Now we trust that you're present and we know that your word is, is creative, it's generative. For by your word, the, the whole universe was born. So we ask that you would Speak to us now that you would breathe new life into us. That you would give us what we need so that we can become more and more like you, Jesus. Amen. Psalm 23. Hear these words again. The Lord is my shepherd. I shall not be in want. He makes me lie down in green pastures. He he leads me beside quiet waters, restores my soul. He guides me in paths of righteousness for his name's sake. Even though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death, I will fear no evil, for you are with me, your rod and your staff. They comfort me. You prepare a table before me in the presence of my enemies. You anoint my head with oil. My cup, my cup overflows. Surely goodness and love will follow me all the days of my life, and I will dwell in the house of the Lord forever. The Lord is my shepherd, shall not want. The Lord is my shepherd. I shall not want. So good. Have you heard this before? Is this something you might be familiar with? (laughs) Yeah, now if you're like me and you sort of grew up in the church, well, not sort of, I grew up in the church, um, then you have all sorts of different images when you hear that word shepherd that sort of come to mind. If you did not grow up in the church, then in some ways I sort of envy you because uh, you, you maybe come at this with a little more of a blanker slate, probably not totally blank, but you come a, with a, a little less of, of some of the things that we learn when we're a kid. So 
so I have all of these images that sort of pop up for me when I hear this, this, uh, this image of shepherd. Uh, for instance, I think it's just, to, it's just good to be aware of these things. It's good to name them and, and say, hey, this is what comes to mind when I think of shepherd. So, for instance, there's this, this image, and it's a strong image of a fair-skinned, blue-eyed Jesus wearing a white robe and like this blue shawl over the robe. I don't know what the purpose of that thing is, but it's there. And then there's also a sheep draped over his shoulders, and he's smiling. And there's like a gleam in his eye and a glint in his teeth. I don't know how Jesus back then had such white teeth, but they were super white, and he looks so good. And he's so happy, and it's this beautiful, it's this sort of comforting image. And so when I, when I hear this, this idea of shepherd, that's immediately where my mind goes to, Jesus as the good shepherd. Perhaps for you, if you grew up in the, in the church, there's even a song or two that comes to mind uh, when you hear this image of shepherd. For instance, maybe one that goes a little bit like this. I just want to be a sheep, ba, ba, ba. I just want to be a sheep, ba, ba, ba. I pray the Lord my soul to keep. I just want to be a sheep. Don't want to be a goat, nope. Don't want to be a goat, nope. Enough of that, right? So perhaps there's like, when you hear this, this idea of shepherd, like these happy, good, comforting feelings, which is perfectly appropriate for us as kids, right? That's why we teach our kids songs like this, because for children, it's absolutely perfect and appropriate for them. But when I come at this as an adult, I think it's important for us to acknowledge that, that, that was good, but there's also, something, there's also something else here that I think we have to recognize. There's, there's more of a grittiness, uh, more of an earthiness to this psalm and this image of God as shepherd that I think, I think it's good for us to, to think about, even though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death. So there's this other image. There's this, maybe even events that come to mind when we hear these words. It's an event that, that we'll all go through one day, um, whatever that looks like. Right? We think of funerals when we hear these words from Psalm 23. Psalm 23 is perhaps the most well-known psalm. It's perhaps one of the most well-known passages in the Bible. Even people who don't go to church or read the Bible on a regular basis or have nothing to do with the faith that we all share in this place, they've heard this psalm before. We'll see it in movies. We'll see it on shows. Where, wherever there's a funeral on the big screen or small screen, most likely this psalm is going to be read. So all sorts of people are acquainted with this, even though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death, right? And that's good. All of this is good and perfectly appropriate, right? right? And in some ways, I love it. In fact, whenever it is that I go, if people want to read this psalm at my funeral, oh, yeah, do it. It's great. So we associate these words, right, with funerals, with death. But, but if these are the only sort of two ways that we think about these things, like the happy, comforting, 
thought of Jesus with the gleam in his eye and the glint in his teeth with the, it's like comforting and happy. If, if that's the way we think about it, this image of shepherd or, or the other way where it's just when we associate it with death, I think we might be missing a little bit. In fact, I think if we only associate this with death, I think we're missing a whole lot because in reality, this psalm, uh, it's not written for the dead. This psalm is written it's written for the living, even though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death. There's something interesting about that, that phrase, even though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death. That phrase is sort of a holdover from the, the uh, King James Version. And in some ways, I love it and think it's the best translation of it, the shadow of death. Not death itself, but the shadow of death. But that phrase can also mean something like this. Perhaps it was on the screen behind me, I didn't check. Or perhaps you have it in a newer translation of the Bible. Right? Even though I walk through the valley of deep darkness, even though I walk through the darkest valley. I mean, you think about it like that, and this psalm sort of becomes a picture of of. God shepherding us through the difficult and troubled times that we have, not just when they're associated with death, but all of them. And there are many of them that we walk through in life. And because it's, it's God who is shepherding us, the psalmist writes, surely goodness and love will follow me all the days of my life. So in the valley of deep darkness, God, the shepherd, is with us. Now in the ancient world, shepherds did what shepherds do. They, they take care of the sheep, right? But in that culture, a shepherd was also this metaphor for uh, the action and role of a king. Right? Kings would would tend their subjects. Kings would make sure that everybody in the kingdom was provided for. Kings would make sure that everybody in the kingdom was protected. So when the psalmist writes, the Lord is my shepherd, what the psalmist is writing, what the poet is saying is, the Lord is my king. The Lord is the one who rules over every aspect of my life. And because, and because the Lord, the shepherd king, is good, I shall not be in want. I'll always have everything I need in life. Always. Green pastures, plenty of water. In fact, this shepherd, this shepherd king is so good and so generous and so close to us that imagine this, God prepares a table for us, even in the presence of our enemies. Even in the valley of the shadow of death, the valley of deep darkness, there's the shepherd king providing for us everything we need, everything we need to sustain us and nourish us, give us life and strength, even if it's just enough. I don't know about you, but I think that's a word that we could stand to hear on a pretty regular basis because the valleys seem to keep coming. The darknesses seem to, to find us. Because when we're in the valley of the shadow of death, our minds can do some really weird things to us. Can sort of 
sort of changed the way that we view God. Or if you've ever read the book of Job or acquainted with the book of Job, sometimes in our minds, like Job's friends will pop up. And Job's friends, I invite you to read that later. Like you'll read the book of Job and you'll meet his friends and you'll be like, wait, what? What do you get? What are you doing here? Right? But sometimes these, these friends of Job's pop up in our own heads, and our own souls, and we start thinking some things about God. Things like this, when a relationship crumbles and we suffer because of it, sometimes we think to ourselves, what did I do that was so wrong or so bad that God would allow me to go through this? The heartache is just too big. It's too much to bear. Why would God let me do this? Or when we lose a job or take a financial hit or something, we'll start thinking to ourselves, well, maybe it's because I didn't give enough to the church. Maybe I wasn't generous enough with what I've been given and God is sort of getting back at me. God is teaching me a lesson. Or when a family crumbles, sometimes the kids will start thinking to themselves, if only I had just been better. If only I had been a better child, then God wouldn't have made this happen to us. When we're caught in addiction, when we're suffering through depression, when we're dealing with an illness or a loved one is dealing with an illness, we can start thinking some funny things about God or perhaps even others suggest these things to us about God. Hey, Aaron, everything happens for a reason. What about this one? It's all part of God's plan, really. So understanding of who God is can sometimes be shaped by the darkness we're in. We can start thinking that because we're in that place, because we're suffering in the valley of deep darkness, God must be angry with us. And this is perfectly natural. And we all do this. We all have these questions. In fact, if you read, at least half of the Psalms are people raising a fist at God saying, how long, O Lord, will you forget me forever? Why did you do this to me? So it's perfectly natural. Like, there's no other explanation. God, who is all-powerful and all-knowing, had to have done this, had to have had some part in this. There's no other explanation. We must have done something to deserve it. We're not good enough, righteous enough, holy enough. We don't believe the right things about God. And so God is ticked off, and this is God's way of teaching us a lesson. Here's the deal. I don't think that's the picture we get here in this psalm. Not in these words. God isn't angry at anybody here. God isn't punishing anybody here because we're not good enough, because we're not righteous enough or moral enough or holy enough or because we don't believe the right things. God is the good and great shepherd king. And the shepherd king is always with us, always taking care of us. In the valley of deep darkness, we will fear no evil because God is there with us. God is not on the outside inflicting this. God is with us in the valley of deep darkness. 
There's the shepherd king, even in the presence of our enemies, preparing a feast for us to nourish us, giving us health and wholeness and joy, just enough, perhaps, for us to make it through another day. God is the good and great shepherd king. So let's take this image a little bit further. Can we do that? Back to the valley of deep darkness. Here the poet makes it very clear that the reason for not being overcome by fear while in the dark valley is because God, the good and great shepherd king, is with us. His rod and his staff, they're enough to comfort But another fear-reducing factor, I think, in this reality is the fact that most likely the shepherd king, the shepherd's already been through this valley before. Like, the shepherd knows the land. The shepherd knows the way. He's been there before. Think about that for a moment. Only a crazy shepherd would allow his flock to enter into a valley that he hasn't been through before. He doesn't know where the patches of green grass are. The, the little places of still water are. The only reason for allowing the sheep to wander through a valley like that where there might be some risk to the sheep is because the shepherd has already been there. The shepherd knows the landscape, that there are things there that the shepherd will lead them to, grass, water, shelter. The shepherd knows that either in the valley or on the other end of the valley, there's something there that the sheep need. And he can handle any threat to the sheep. I think it's pretty clear in this metaphor. The shepherd has taken a walk through this valley before, and his rod and staff will be enough for for protection. Now let's think about this idea, the, the idea that the shepherd has been there before, and let's connect it to Jesus. We're we're Jesus people. This is what we do. We connect these images to to Jesus. Right? So anyone know what 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 the Gospel of John says in John 10 about Jesus? Anyone know? He is the good shepherd. And the good shepherd lays down his life for his sheep. I am the good shepherd, Jesus says. The shepherd has been through the valley before. So we have, we have creeds and stuff that sort of help us distill what, what we believe. And one of our great One of our great creeds is the Apostles' Creed, and about Jesus, it says this. He suffered under Pontius Pilate. He was crucified, died, was buried. Anyone know the next line? Descended into hell. He descended into hell. Jesus, the good and great shepherd king, descended into hell, whatever hell you're experiencing or will ever experience, Jesus, it's been there too. He's been through the valley of deep darkness before and he'll be there the next time you visit. In fact, this is a theme in the Bible about Jesus. If you read the book of Hebrews, you'll find that this is the theme through four whole chapters right toward the beginning Chapters two through five. This is the whole theme of those, those four chapters right here. So I'm just going to read some of these to you because I think these are really good. This is chapter two, verse 14. Since we, the children, have flesh and blood, 
Jesus, too, shared in their humanity so that by his death, he might destroy him who holds the power of death. Verse 18, because Jesus suffered when he was tempted, he's able to help those who are attempted. He's been through that valley before. Chapter 4, verse 15. We do not have a high priest who is unable to sympathize with our weaknesses. But we have one who has been tempted in every way, just as we are, yet without sin. Let us then approach the throne of grace with confidence so that we may receive mercy and find grace to help us in our time of need. The point of all of that Whatever dark valley you're in right now, he's been there and he's with you now. Whatever dark valley you'll be in tomorrow or the next day or the next day, he's been through that valley before and he'll be with you when you go through it again, even though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death. I will fear no evil for you're with me. Bob Buford, in his book entitled The Second Half, he talks about the, the drowning of his investment banker son named Ross in the, the Rio Grande River. Uh, after 41 trackers had tracked him and looked for him for days and days and days, he, he uh, hired airplanes, he hired helicopters and boats and trackers with dogs, everything money could buy. He just threw all of his money at it. Right, and Buford walked along the, the cliff 200 feet down into the Rio Green, Grand River and he was just searching for his son, looking for any sign of life. This is what he thought to himself. Here's something you can't dream your way out of. Here is something you can't think your way out of. Here is something you can't buy your way out of. There's something you can't work your way out of. This is something you can only trust your way out of. Got that right. I think. Sometimes the only thing we have left is just trust. Sometimes the valley's too dark. Sometimes we're too weak. Sometimes, sometimes we're too lost. Sometimes we don't have anything resembling proof that God is with us at all in the darkest places of life. Sometimes all we have left is to trust that the shepherd king is with us, that God isn't angry with us or something, but that God is there in the valley with us loving us, protecting us, providing enough for us for another day. He's been there before. He knows the way through. I got one thing left to say. Then we'll be done. There may come a time in life
where you can't even find it in yourself to trust that God is there. And I want to tell you that that's okay. It really is. I think it's in times like that it's important for us to remember that um, that psalms like this one, songs like this one, um, they were written for communities. It's meant to to form us into a community of grace and love and trust. So if you're in the place where you can't trust that God is with you, just remember that you aren't alone. Many of us have been through those valleys too. You're just surrounded by a whole community of people, a community of grace and love and trust. That's why what we do here week after week is so important. That's why when we had a pandemic, we were like, nah, man, we can't quit. We're going to figure out how to do this online. And now that it's becoming safer and safer to come back, it's important for us to rub shoulders with one another because this is the community of people into which we can lean. Allow them to embrace Allow them to embrace you. Allow them to trust for you. And after a while, maybe you'll find that your trust in God, it'll come back to you. The Lord is my shepherd. I shall not walk. Even though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death, I will fear no evil, for you are with me. Let's pray.